Isn't it inspiring? I want you to open your Bible with me in, uh, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. In verse 13. The world needs heroes. There is a great lack of heroes today. The world still needs heroes. Our culture needs heroes. You look up the meaning of a hero. A hero is a person with great courage. It's a person who has the courage to stand up against the crowd, to stand up against difficulties, to stand up against danger, to stand up against threats. A hero is a person who has courage to stand up for what they believe in and live it out in their words and their life. We desperately have a need for heroes. Hero is a person who's admired because of his bravery and action. A hero is a person that we look up to and say, I'd like to model my life after that person. A hero is a person who's considered an example for us to follow. Today we celebrate at Easter, Jesus, our hero, and he's alive. And the world is still looking for heroes, and our nation is still needing heroes. Heroes in our family, heroes in our culture, people who have the courage to stand up against the tide of evil, courage to stand up for what is right, courage to live a life that honors God and is an example for men and women to follow. We read in this verses here, it says in verse 13, it says that you were once dead in sin, trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He's saying, he's writing to Christians, he's saying, there was a time when you were separated from God, your condition was spiritually dead, living in the power of sin. And then it says, He has made you alive together with Him, having forgiven you all your sins or trespasses. Verse 14, it describes what Jesus, our hero, did. Jesus wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us and contrary to us. He took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Every one of us, the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of what God has intended. There is not one of us can say we have a perfect life. If we look in our heart and face our life, the thing that we see in our lives and the lives of others, we see failure to live up to what we even determined would want to live up to, but certainly failure to live up to God's call upon our life to be a great people. The Bible says the wages of that sin is death. Sin separates us from God. And so consciously we live aware that there is a list of things, areas of promises we made, undertakings we made, good intentions we had, but when we look at the reality, we see something is wrong, something is not right in our life. That something is called sin, leaving us separated from God. We look over our life and we see with regret some of the things, the decisions we've made, things we've done that we wish we'd never done them. There's a list, very, very long list, we like to look at what other people have done and find fault in them. But when we look in the light of God's revelation of us, we see many ways we fall short. And notice what it says, that when Jesus died, God took the whole list. Whatever that list was, however big that list was, whatever was written on the list, whatever is written and recorded of our failures, your failures, of your good intentions never fulfilled, of the promises you never kept, of the things you did you're ashamed of. That list, that full list, 
everything you ever did up to this point, everything you would do till the end of your life that would fall short of God's best for you, Jesus took that whole list. And when Jesus died on the cross, that list of our sins was nailed onto the cross with him. God took the power of sin. He took the list of sin. He took the penalty of sin, and he fully broke its power on the cross. The Bible says he took away that list that was against us and contrary to us and forgave you all your sin. I want you to see something else it says. It says in verse 15, having disarmed the spiritual principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them in it. When Jesus went to the cross, the spiritual powers manipulated the crowd, manipulated the people to go against Jesus. The crowd that once celebrated him and said he's a hero, then rejected him and commanded or called for him to be crucified. Those hidden spiritual powers that control nations. This is what the Bible says, Jesus disarmed them. He took away the weapon they used. He took away the power of sin. He took away accusations that could be leveled against you and me. He disarmed them. He stole away, took away their power by his victory at the cross. And so you and I can actually now live a victorious and triumphant life. I want to show you something else, what Jesus did at the cross. I want us just to quickly look at the second scripture in Matthew chapter 27. And I want you to see something that happened at the cross. We just read how Jesus triumphed over the devil. That word triumph is a word that's not found uh, in the English language. There's no word in the English language to describe the original word. The word or in, the, uh, in, the, uh, in the Hebrew language, the word that was used there describes something that they saw, which we don't usually see. In the old days, when the Roman general would go out and lead his armies out to battle, he would come back and they would have what they called a triumph. A triumph was a victory parade. Victory parade was when the general and his victorious soldiers would drive through the city streets of Rome and the crowds of Rome would be out to welcome him, lining the streets thick on either side. And they would cheer and celebrate as their victorious general leading all his captives behind him in chains. Leading, the, uh, 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 there was a treasure, all the treasures that were won and, and uh, gained through the war, they would have them all on display. To this day, if you go to Rome and you have a look uh, in the Ark of, of Titus, this is an ark that was, uh, this was a huge archway that was uh, built to celebrate Titus' victory over Jerusalem. And when you look, there's a picture there, and you see Titus on his chariot as a victorious general. And behind him, you see people who are in slavery. And then you see a pile of treasures, including the menorah, the candlestick from the house of God. And if you go into Rome, even to this day, and you stand underneath that archway, you can see it all written there, graved in concrete, the triumph of Titus over the Jews in 70 AD. So when this word triumph was used, they had in mind a picture. As soon as the word triumph was spoken by Paul, they had a picture in their mind of a general with the slaves in captivity and chains and all the booty and the plunder coming to a tremendous celebration. And so the Bible tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, he triumphed over the devil. 
He broke all the power that he had to hold men in bondage and to hold them in captivity. Let's have a look what happened at the cross in Matthew chapter 27. Just read a few verses, then we'll finish. Verse 45, from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, most of us are familiar with the story of it, but I want to highlight two or three things you may not have seen. I read for you what the Bible says Jesus did behind the scenes. I want to show you something that happened on the day. First thing you see is that between uh, the sixth hour and the ninth hour, that's between 12 midday. Now, 12 midday, what would you expect the sun to be doing? Eh? It'll be at this brightest, it'll be as highest in the sky, it'll be beating down that day. But between the sixth hour, between 12 o'clock midday and 3 p.m. when Jesus died, notice what it says, there was a darkness over the whole of the land. In other words, the crucifixion was not something you could see unless you had a torch or had a light. It was all in darkness, it was all covered in darkness, covered in blackness. You could only see it if you had a torch that would illuminate what God was doing. Second thing we notice, that verse 50, Jesus cried with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. So we see when a person is dying, I've been there a number of people dying, when people are dying, they usually go out with a loss of energy. So in other words, when you're listening to them, their voice gets weaker and weaker and weaker, and finally, they just lose all strength. Jesus didn't die that way. Jesus died when he died on the cross. It says he gave out a loud shout of victory and triumph. And he yielded up his spirit. He didn't go out weak. He gave up his life for you and for me. And then the last, the next thing we see is immediately. Now, when Jesus gave up his life on the cross, remember darkness, no one could see unless you had a torch. Some amazing things happened. When Jesus died on the cross, God in heaven saw what he did. He's giving his life out of love for you and me. And a, there was a response from heaven. Our God is not someone distant who watches and is not involved. I want you to see some of the things that immediately happened when Jesus gave up his life, sacrificed his life. Great supernatural power was released in the earth to set men free. I want you to see what happened. Number one, the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. There was a leather veil there was some inches thick. And it separated the outer court where people would be from the priest where he was supposed to be coming into the presence of God. And at three o'clock when Jesus died, this was exactly the time in the temple when the high priest would be offering the sacrificial lamb. The lamb would be slain, the blood would be shed, and it was to be an atonement for the sins of people. And at that very moment when he did that, at that very moment Jesus died on the cross, and when Jesus died on the cross, God answered from heaven. And hands ripped the temple curtain from top to bottom. No one had ever seen in there before except the priest. God was demonstrating that this old way of worshiping him had gone, that now Jesus had split the veil, had made room for every person by faith to have personal access to God. You would never need anyone to go to God on your behalf. You could go personally into the presence of God. He tore the veil in two. He made it possible for you and me to have personal access by faith to God. Second thing, there was an earthquake. 
And another, amazing how many times earthquakes turn up in the Bible. But right at that point when Jesus died, there was a, an earthquake. It wasn't a little earthquake. The Bible says the rocks split. Now that's got to be a fair shake to split rocks. If you look down in Christchurch at the devastation that was caused there by the earthquake, you can see where, where hillsides fell down, where houses broken too. But this is rocks. These are mighty rocks split by the power of that earthquake. God was demonstrating, one, a way was made into heaven for you and I to have personal access to God. Two, he was demonstrating his dominion over the earth. The earth shook at the power that was released. Third thing that happened, you notice it said the graves were opened. The earthquake was so severe that right across that graveyard area, now people don't normally like graveyards or going there, sort of spooky places, but the graves suddenly split open. And bodies that have been there for many, many years were suddenly exposed. The Bible says, here's the last thing it says. It says that it says many of the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised from the dead and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. And the centurion and those who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake. They feared and said, this is really the Son of God. Of God. Now you notice the things that happened. When Jesus died on the cross, God responded to his sacrifice with the release of great and amazing power. It was the power that broke the hold of sin. It was a power that could shake the earth. It was a power that could raise dead men from the grave and restore them back to wholeness again. One of the great victories that took place at Calvary and at the resurrection was not only with the power of sin broken, but Jesus himself rose victorious. You know, if he is risen victorious, he has conquered everything you could be afraid of. Whatever failure you have in your life, the power of God is greater than that failure. Whatever sickness you have in your life, the power of God is greater than that sickness. Whatever setback you've had, the power of God is greater than that setback. If you feel like there's been a place of death, something has gone wrong, something has been lost, something has fell, God is able to come into that place of death and bring His life and turn you around and shift you and make you different. You may be gripped in drugs and in the hold of death itself, God can set you free by His power because anyone who could raise dead people is able to set you free by that same power. Listen, it doesn't end there. The Bible says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead comes and lives in you and me when we become a Christian. When you and I become a believer in Jesus Christ, God joins us to His Spirit. There is eternal life in you. There is a life of the Holy Ghost, a power of God. We're called to walk with Him in that power, walk with Him in that life, walk with Him in that resurrection life. That's why you've got to give yourself to Him. Because he has life in his hand for you and me. What a great victory we celebrate. You know, Jesus is the hero we model our lives on. But there are people looking for you also to be a hero. Young people, would you stand up in your generation and live a life that's different, courageously standing, perhaps it's against the pressure for drugs or alcohol, the pressure for premarital sex, pressure to compromise in various kind of way. Would you make your life count for God in this generation and make a stand for Him? You would be a hero, someone worth following.
You may be a parent. If you would stand for what is godly, resisting the peer pressure of what's going on in the schools, raising your children in ways which are right, which are godly, and yet you find there's a pressure comes from other parents, a pressure comes from the culture, pressure comes even from your own teenagers, but for you to stand up for what is right, that makes you a hero. God is looking for some men to be heroes in their families. Someone who'll stand up and have the courage to lead their family, to lead them in a godly way, to lead them in the life of God. God is looking for women to rise up and to stand and live a life that is an example to their family. I talk with many parents and we hear so many stories of parents virtually giving in to the pressure of the culture and their families are no different to any other family. What a tragedy. You're not a hero. You've compromised for the sake of peace. This is not an hour to live a quiet life. This is an hour to live a powerful life. Modeling it on our hero, Jesus Christ. Walking with Him. Embracing His strength and His life and His wisdom. In every generation, men and women have risen up and they've become heroes in their generation. These 12 apostles that were following Jesus Christ, every one of them, except Judas, became a hero in their generation. But they've all gone, and now we live here. It's our day to have some heroes. I look at the people that have gone into other nations, and they really are heroes of faith. But I look at the people who are here, and you can be a hero too. You can be a hero in our culture. You can make a stand and stand up for what is right and walk with God, and your life can count so others would say, I like what's in that person. I'm going to follow that person. I'm going to find out what makes them who they are. I want what they have. You See, church is not about just coming to meetings. It's about a life with Jesus, a resurrection life that gives you victory. Amen? Let's just close our eyes for a moment. Father in heaven, we just thank you for the great victory of the resurrection. We thank you of the death on the cross. Lord, you've made a way for us to be set free of the power of sin, to come out of sin and darkness, and to come into a new life in you.